Tonight, a pirate attack on an Imperial Supply Railway left several servicemen dead. We honor these fallen heroes later in the program. And in a special report, Minoc Roast on Ardinia. Are they really all they're cracked up to be? Our travel reporter gives us the details. And 11. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Hoth Topics, a podcast about Star Wars. I didn't write a title for myself this weekend. It's Ian! And joining me this week is another titleless individual. John, John, I have, how you I doing? have several titles. You have several titles. None of them matter here. How's it going, bud? Uh, it's, it's doing okay. It was it was nice and cool outside, and then for whatever reason, when we started recording, it got warm in here. Mostly because the sun came out, and then we closed all the doors and windows to record. I wish we had a way to drain a sun of its energy. Oh, like uh, some sort of giant, some sort of giant planetoid. Hurt. I'm thinking like a hurt ball. Hurt ball. Yeah. That kind of sucks the energy yeah, out of the sun. Yeah, very similar to pre-existing hurt balls, but larger. Right. And with an atmosphere. Hmm. Uh, some some nah. nice alpine landscaping. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think this idea will what about, work. What about if uh, instead of just draining the sun, you just crush it? Well, the thing about that reference, Ian, is that it never actually crushed the sun. It just kind of flew into it. Well. And then shot a torpedo. Sure. But I was making a pun on the name. Oh. I refuse to accept. That's unfortunate because that's really all I got today. All right. Thanks all right. for listening. Yep. Good episode. It's been another episode of Ian's Failed Puns. Yes. Or Working Puns that John refuses to bite. Let's be honest. It was a failed pun. So, Ian, what are we talking about today? I wasn't. I legitimately <laughs> wasn't paying attention. We are talking about... Hurt balls? Hurt balls, no. We're talking about many things, but one thing I'd like to bring up is you and I recently just watched... The Ewok uh, Adventure. No, we didn't do that recently. Uh, we just watched Solo. Solo came out on Blu-ray. A Star Wars story? A Star Wars story. We watched it and enjoyed it again. And Well, to be fair, you watched it, and then I watched the first half, and the... Or, the first act and the third act, and then I fell asleep during the middle act. <laughs> That's true. I want, I, I'd like to mention that I have seen the movie several times. I was just very tired. And in my version of the movie, L3 didn't exist because I never <laughs> saw her. Yeah, he went to sleep before they sh- she showed up. and Yeah, I think I, I, I fell asleep just as they get to the droid fighting pit. Right. And then I woke up. After they've already installed her into the... So she was just a, just a random background droid. I gotta say, though, uh, before I watched it with you, John, uh, I when I picked up the, the Blu-ray, I watched it with my dad. Hadn't seen it before. He got off work, and we popped in the, the Blu-ray and watched the movie, and he seemed to really enjoy it. <laughs> at the end of it, he, he kind of looked at me, and he was like, I don't know why people were so upset about this movie for and I kind of had to give him a little bit of the background of why people were upset, and he seemed very confused. That's one thing that was interesting about it. But I, I had a, I had a unique experience watching it with my dad. I kind of want to get your take on it. Since we started doing this podcast, hot topics, lot, a yes. podcast for, for winners. No, that's not us. No, that's. Not I mean, us. we're hot topics. Yeah, we'll work on this. <laughs> now you're forcing me to come up with a tagline for later episodes. How dare you! <laughs> Since we started doing this podcast, I always have my brain on sort of data collection mode when we're watching the the movies or the TV shows. Because I'm always looking for, okay, what else can we talk about? What can we make an episode about? What sort of things are going on in the the newscape about Star Wars? Since we started doing this has been in my mind while we watch the movies. And when I was watching Solo with my dad, I think it was the first time... All of that was out of my head. I was back to, you know, when I was a kid again, hanging out with my family and enjoying this cool space movie. All of that meta knowledge, that sort of, I don't want to call it a cloud because it's not a bad thing, but just that haze of Star Wars fandom, the greater conversation, wasn't in my head while I was watching the movie. And I really, really enjoyed the experience just watching the movie in my living room with my dad for the first time and I, I felt it, it felt more like a regular Star Wars experience I used to have when I was a kid as opposed to the big giant thing we went to at uh, Scum and Villainy Cantina with all those people singing and IMAX for the first time and that was an awesome experience too don't get me wrong I loved that but I was back to my old nostalgic self this this viewing 
did you have any other sort of changes in in how you viewed the movie since uh, since you've seen it coming out? I think the great thing with with home releases is that if something catches your eye on the screen, you can stop the movie and rewind it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. To to see those instances. Why well, I was excited for it to come out because I really just want to freeze frame on the Mud Troopers because I want that to be my next costume build. <laughs> you're you're halfway there, really. I could go into details about what's different between that and the Veer's armor. I won't. I could. For like the next hour and a half because I've done way too much research on them. As far as like the, the content of the movie, I don't have the Blu-ray. And so I've only seen it once since it left theaters, uh, which was uh, earlier this week. I, I, guess, I guess not really. <laughs> to, okay. As a roundabout way to uh, your answer. Like we're going to be talking about in a little bit. I was excited about the special features and, such, and that sort of thing. I, I don't think anything for me will top going to the premiere in L.A. in, in full costume, going to the the Scum and Villainy and hanging out with other Star Wars nerds in costume. Right. And then doing a little, like, parade down the sidewalk till we get to the Chinese theater. Being uh, stopped by all the tourists. Yeah, as, as, I, as I mentioned to, uh, to Harry, our guest on the last episode, we were cosplaying for an event at a bar that was also cosplaying Star Wars. But that's just kind of like a cool... A cool, unique thing that I don't think a lot of fans get to experience. Oh yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think that uh, my point is less that one was better than the other. Both those experiences I had were equally great for different reasons. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. We got to immerse ourselves in the Star Wars fandom when we went up to the Chinese theater and, and did that at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. This time around, I got to bring it back to old school when I first got introduced to Star Wars, just hanging out at home watching it. Well, I, I think the difference between our our home viewings of the movie is that you watched it with your family or with your dad but i mean with your family right and i watched two-thirds of it with you who i've seen the movie with twice before right and your dog (laughs) who was also sleeping on me Uh uh-huh so i mean i got a pretty sweet nap (laughs) that's not not due to the content of the movie i was just hecka tired well uh we talked about solo before it came out and we talked about solo after it came out so i really don't think we need to add too much about whether or not we loved or hated the movie Mm -hmm. you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want to hear our opinions about it which uh, we also had roommate mike on helping us out with analysis and opinions of the film but this week we'd like to take a moment to talk about what not every fan actively seeks out when they get the home release is and that is the special features. You know, maybe you just buy the discs for the movie and that's all you really care about, but there was some really interesting stuff on the solo Blu-ray special features that I'd like to go over today. So there are a number of cool extras on the disc. One of the main attractions was the deleted scenes. <gasps> there were a couple uh, very interesting deleting scenes, some not so interesting. Did any stand out to you, John, while watching the deleted well, scenes? I, I would like to point out that I believe that there's a movie's worth of deleted scenes out there somewhere. That is a, a that's pre- a low blow, previous, John? Previous director, maybe? We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> As I mentioned before, I was mostly looking forward to the fight on Minban, because mm-hmm. I like Mud Troopers, and I was looking forward to that extended Minban firefight uh, so I could, you know, see more Imperial troops in action. However, well, first off, what, what did you think about it before I, I, I jump into my thing? Uh, well, I think that of the of all the deleted scenes, that was probably the one that I would have most liked to see remain in. Okay. Knowing an, an amount about the film process that I do, just from going to school for that particular topic, you're always going to have to leave something on the cutting room floor. These days we make a big deal out of that because we're like, oh, the movie's horrible. They have to trim down all this stuff. And that every movie leaves scenes on the cutting room floor. It's not something that is uncommon at all in in movie making. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, uh, you know, we had eight deleted scenes and I could pretty much justify each one why it was cut out. I was, you know, just putting myself in in that seat going, okay, I can see why they cut this out. I can see why they cut that out. And the only reason I can think of for them cutting out the, the Mimban extended scene was just for time. 
it was it was pretty awesome to see that extended fight and i think like you i was also looking forward to seeing the imperial conquest that we're so used to hearing about in star wars but not seeing it on the the grand scale that the movie had presented us with for this particular battle I, I was excited to see it just because, like I said, I, I, I just wanted to see more uh, Imperial forces doing doing what they do. Mm. I, I completely agree with the extended shots being taken out of the movie. What we got in the movie, which was just them firing into darkness, into this foggy, smoky night, and receiving fire from an enemy that they couldn't actually see, made that, that whole sequence more interesting and I think more effective, at least for me, where we only see the hero and, you know, the, the Imperial troops but we never actually see the who they're fighting. Mm-hmm. Where in the extended version, we see the Mimbin fighters. You know, we see them dead. We see them fighting. I think in the movie, we only ever see their silhouettes. And that makes, that makes the enemy more uh, ominous and kind of, like, scary. Okay. I think they still did a pretty good job, like, if that extended cut was put in. You know, when we see a Mimban trooper, they're dead. And when we see, you know, them fighting, it's only for a brief yeah. second, like, kind no, of yeah. So if they, if they would have kept it in, I don't think it would have taken too much away from the mystery. But I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I agree that it the, the ominous presence is kicked up. Yeah, and I would have been fine if those scenes were left in if this was a war movie. But it wasn't a war movie. It's... Ocean's Eleven in in space, right? So we needed to we needed to move through that segment as much as I want to see what the uh, the Mimbin stormtroopers like. Why do they have that extra plate on their helmet, or why the mud troopers don't have armor? Or let's let's just get some more movies with the uh, the walking artillery piece, the unarmored artillery gun on legs. <laughs> Were those the same? Uh... They they look to me like the the ones in the the Rogue Squadron game. There's a mission where you escort them. They they kind of look like chunky. No, you're thinking of uh, ATPTs. Yeah. No, those the things that we saw were, are much shorter than ATSTs. Okay. Uh, they're like stubbier ATSTs with an artillery cannon. On. Like think of uh, BB-8 in the Last Jedi. When he takes that, takes over that ATST, right, and it rips the top off. Mm-hmm. Now replace BB-8 with an artillery gun. Okay, and that's all that is. I and mean, shorter. you know, you can forgive me for not really seeing it because it's yeah. You know, well, the, the silhouetted one that we see in the movie is <laughs> yeah, is exactly. You see it for half a second getting dropped off by a AT hauler, but in the in the deleted scene, I thought it was cool that there was one that's that's brought down and they and I, th- I think it was Han jumps behind the gun while it's on the ground and uses it to to blast some alien scum. Right. Interesting too. In the deleted scene, there was a characterization given to one of the troopers the one that would had the giant machine gun and we saw him we saw him briefly when they charged in the in the main film he had a little bit more stuff to do in the deleted scene and i think you were telling me that he was supposed to have a bigger part yeah he was another member of beckett's crew but i if if i remember the what i read or saw um correctly they they realized that the the ensemble was already a little too big right and his character wasn't the strongest character, so they, they, they cut him out. I mean, yeah, he, he didn't really even have as much. Well, I mean, like, we don't know how, what, what, his, what his role could have been before he was cut. because Just because there's deleted scenes that are made to the DVD doesn't mean there weren't scenes that were filmed that we're getting to see. Sure. I mean, they have, like, like I joked earlier, they have a whole movie. Right. <laughs> it was a reshot. Right. So yeah, that was I think the the strongest deleted scene in my opinion with the ones we saw mostly because that's the main one that I can remember off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, we had the Chewbacca snowball fight with Han, which was adorable but also completely unnecessary. It definitely set a different tone for the movie. Where if the movie was going to be played more as a comedy, as I feel like uh, Lord and Miller were trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think that that scene would have fit in better, but since that's not the direction that Ron Howard wanted to go, it definitely felt like it was something that was just happened to happen on set as opposed to something that was scripted. Yeah, like because it in the behind the scenes thing, they do a whole thing with Eunice 
I can't pronounce his last name. Sutamo. Thank you. And he seems like he's like a big goof on set. And right. It's sometimes hard to blur the line between Chewbacca being a big oaf and Jonas, Eunice, excuse me, uh, Scandinavians. Uh, <laughs> y- you know, he, Eunice just, just playing up the part a little bit. Right. You know, going ham. Real quick on the you, you, the the Ron Howard and, um, and the other Miller guys. and Lord kind of cuts up. And I'm sure this has been a theory that's come around, but been, you know, since the Blu-ray came out and watching the film again, I think that the reason why Miller and Lord were removed from the project is because they weren't working on a Miller and Lord script. They were working on a Kasdan script. And just from watching one of the other bonus features on here, where we have both, both the Kasdans talking about how they went through the writing process and the fact that Lawrence Kasdan is such a a titan when it comes to Star Wars and the mythos therein and a traditionalist when it comes to Star Wars meaning he he puts the original trilogy above all else which makes sense because he wrote two of the movies I think that that was probably the main reason why we didn't get to see a completed Lord and Miller Star Wars film. They were involved in the writing process from the beginning to, and didn't have this, you know, titan of Star Wars traditionalism. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like, again, I love Solo. I loved how it came out. But I think that if they were able to write a comedy with a comedy writer and not a Star Wars writer, then we would have gotten a very different project and they wouldn't have been removed mm. you know i do agree with you well, well we'll get back on the the kasdan thing in a second but any other of the deleted scenes stick out to you not really the the much cheaper one is the one that i was i've been excited to see since they announced an extended mimbin fight right i'm trying to think of what the other ones were there's there was a uh, slightly extended chase and corellia there was the and that that one too was also one that i was like okay i can see why we cut this we need to move the movie along get them off corellia pretty quickly it did have that that little kind of sense of humor thing the little squid tentacles with han and kira hiding in a and that, that kind of goes back to in our solo episode how to me it seemed like they put alden in situations that her- characters harrison ford has played in the past were in to uh-huh. try to get people to associate alden with harrison and then by line of thought with han right um and every time i, I watch that deleted scene or see the deleted scene all i can think is han looking at that that va- uh, that vat of eels and saying why did it have to be snakes <laughs> Very that's nice. all I could think about because like a lot of yeah like a lot of the scenes are, are they kind of felt like homages to Harrison Ford's other characters and so what did you think about the Imperial Tribunal scene that was oh, cut legitimately forgot about that yeah legitimately forgot about that until you just brought it up which is disappointing because you're terrible was, Imperial yeah well I I like the idea of that scene but I felt that it was too comedic. This is goes this goes with the snowball fight. If this movie was going to be played off like completely as a comedy, I would have been fine with it because I I really don't feel that any imperial any any uh anybody of substantial rank like a commodore would uh allow any subordinate to be as sassy. Yeah. Be as arrogant as Han was in that scene. Your mothness, Sir Moth. Yeah, there's you just, you, <laughs> and the the fact that like he gets the punishment for his his crime, which is disobeying an order, and then he's in, he's cocky the entire tribunal, and then they're like, "Hey, we're not gonna like throw you in the brig. We're just you're just gonna keep serving in the military." I was like, "I don't I don't get it." I I kind of got it if uh, if. Like one, one. I get what you're saying. One of the two things is off. Either yeah. Han's comedy needed to be turned down, or the harshness of the Imperials needed to be turned up. But I still enjoyed the scene. Like I thought it was a good scene, and I'm glad it made it to the deleted scenes. You know, that's where it belongs. Yeah, exa- I agree. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Well, there are some other, uh, some other features on the special features that uh, were kind of really fun to to 
to watch. Uh, for example, I really enjoyed the Becoming a Droid with L3 and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Because I, I didn't know really who Phoebe Waller-Bridge was when... Fake fan. Well, I, I didn't really know who she was when the, the movie was announced, and I don't really know what she's like as a as a person or an actor. And it was not only really fun to see her bring such an enthusiasm to the part, but it was also really fun to see the mix of practical and digital effects that brought her to the screen. So she's basically just in this green bodysuit with physical L3 parts kind of attached to her and then everything else they filled in digitally and I thought that was really cool. So Yeah, that, I th- I thought she was a fully CG character like uh I did too. A lot of K2SO was. Well, well even with K2SO too and I think this is a great thing about Star Wars if we go even back to to Jar Jar the actors are always there mm-hmm. on the set giving the other non I don't want to call them creature actors but the 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 non other people cg characters something to bounce off of you know but it you know i guess i should have expected it considering what they did with k2 k2so and and you know even going back to like c3po you know it's just just anthony daniels in a full c3po suit boiling alive in the desert but it was just cool to see nonetheless anything about uh, l3 and phoebe waller bridge and bridge bridger bridges bridge bridge just, just one bridge. Uh, yeah, my Singular. brain, my brain went to Ezra Bridger for a second for just word association. I, I think during production, you know, we, I think I saw photos of her in, in costume, uh, but it just never really clicked into my mind until we watched that. That like it was a green, it was yeah, it was a morph suit with with parts attached to it that they CG'd out other stuff. Mm-hmm. And like my brain is having a hard time just like wrapping around how how uh, how painstakingly painful that must have been for the uh, animators to go in and create all those moving innards right. that were also mo- themselves moving in a three D space. Yeah, I I don't I don't know how they do that stuff. One thing that I saw that we both watched that was really cool was the inside the maelstrom feature, which showed how they shot the. Kessel Run sequence and the way that they were able to project the images, a pre-render of the images that, you know, were going to end up being in the final cut onto the Falcon's viewport so that the actors could see and react to everything. I thought that was freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if that's the same technology that they're going to use in the Millennium Falcon piloting ride. It is. Uh, it is? That's confirmed? Uh, it's it's not going to be like that giant screen. Something similar has been announced, if I remember right. Right. I have no sources, so don't t- take 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 my words with a pinch of coaxium. That that could kill us all. I, I know, it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going out like a punk. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they have enough experience with that type of simulation and projection. It, it's basically combining... The ride vehicle of Star Tours with the screen of soaring, soaring over California at DCA, California Adventure, or Pixar Land, as I'm calling it now. Pixar Land's only a... They, they got rid of... They're getting rid of all the things that make it California-related. No, just the... Just part the, of Arizona is in the theme park, Ian. Yeah, but that's just the... It's part of California Adventure all, is Arizona. That John, doesn't make sense. John, have you been no to... No sense. Have you been to California Adventure? Yes. All right. The, the, I went there when there was California theme things there. Most like, of the park like the is still Hollywood Cali- Tower of Terror. Most of the park is still like fifty percent of the park is still California theme. Like what? Grizzly River Rapids and all the Redwood stuff and Soren over California is still going to be there. It's all the Soren now. All the yeah, it's true. All the vineyard stuff is there. Is a vineyard? Yeah. I don't. I don't drink wine, so well, it I ignored doesn't that mean area. it's not still there. <laughs> so the place, other places have vineyards, Ian. Your your mom has vineyards. She doesn't. She's she doesn't drink. How dare this, you? This is going to be a very interesting part. You have to cut out later. No, this one. This one's staying in because <laughs> part of Arizona is in California Adventure. It doesn't make sense. Why is Radiator Springs there? It's not California. It's not California Adventure. Because they Z- quickly realize that stars. you can't make an entire. Thanks, Kathleen Kennedy. They can't make it. Into... <laughs> oh, I should punch you. <laughs> <laughs> Were we 
we talking about? Uh, we were talking, oh, talking about, about the ride. Uh, yeah, the ride at Disney, based maybe based on this tech they used for the solo film. Yeah, yeah, good. Like I said, they have experience with both technologies used to make that effect. Particular, yeah, that that I don't want to say ride vehicle, but that's basically what that cockpit section was was a giant flight simulator. Yeah, on a gimbal. Yep. So I like the word gimbal. So yeah, that was a uh, that was really cool to see that the actors had the ability to react to stuff on so, screen. Oh, as as a side note, have you ever watched any behind the scenes stuff on uh, on Star Trek, the episodes of Star Trek? No. Uh, so they didn't have the bridge didn't move the cockpit of the Falcon did right, and right. except for in one of the movies where they actually put gimbals underneath the bridge. But in the show they did this thing, and I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was just called like the like the bridge shuffle or something like that. I'm probably got this all wrong. Sounds like when they dance. when they were told to hit like they were hit, they all had to overly act like the bridge was moving from a sudden impact of phasers or uh-huh. uh, debris or whatever. And so if you watch like the behind the scene things where the camera isn't shaking because they got hit it's just a bunch of people standing still and then all of a sudden falling over for no apparent reason <laughs> and then adjusting it's uh it's it's great and they'll well, do they'll do it at um conventions and panels they'll all be on stage like talking about it right and then somebody will shout whatever the stage direction was and they'll all just like randomly shift around in the same direction <laughs> like they <laughs> just got hit yeah it's, it's awesome it's another thing that got brought up uh both in the the l3 thing and with the kessel run special feature is that it might have been a snide comment to you know developing cg tech but the actors were really thankful that they didn't have to just be staring at a tennis ball for most of (laughs) you know the the shoots like there was actually a physical thing that they can respond to and that was also true in uh in another one they showed the the gambling setup for the pazak game and that lodge and all the Uh, excuse me what pazak yeah think think a thousand years later Pazak. Nope. A thousand years later. Pazak. Still not Pazak. I, I know I'm wrong. Sabak. Oh my. That's why. They're so similarly yeah. named. And I played so much Pazak in, in, uh, in Kotor. Kotor that it just stuck in my name. And then you kept trying to correct me, and my brain was going, Dejeric. No, that's the chess game. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kept repeating Pazak. Uh, oop. That's a. Nope, leaving it in. No. Nope. Good job. Nope. We gotta first, believe that. We're first, family friendly. First parental guidance. Family friendly. Pazak. Just 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 poorly edit over it with me saying Pazak again. I don't even remember what we're talking about. The Lodge, the gambling we, we game. We weren't talking about Pazak. With the with the Sabak game. We're kind of used to it in Star Wars now, but the just the lengths that they went to with the animatronics, the puppeteering, and the costumes for all the aliens in the gambling hall were, were really extensive and cool. That was a really awesome set that I enjoyed. I don't know. What did you think about that? I, the thing that stood out to me the most in that special feature was the director of photography, how they were talking about how he didn't like to bring artificial light mm-hmm. into a set and that all the lighting in those scenes were done from in-world lighting Natural uh, source sources. Lighting, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was really cool because that's... It's a very unique way to, to film that stuff instead of bringing in soft lights or hard lights to illuminate right. certain things. It was just whatever lights were in the set as decoration were the lighting. Now, I'm sure that he went in there and messed with what type of light was in that the setting, but they didn't bring in like a floodlight to, sure, yeah, to light yeah. people like they would normally would. Right. And that's that's interesting because I it, it, it switched my mind on, I think, one of the criticisms that we, we heard in when Solo first came out was that like some of these scenes are like really dark. Yeah. And then after hearing that the reasoning behind it, I've completely changed my mind on, you know, using the hard shadows and mm-hmm. the natural lighting. And I'm just like, oh no, well, it's actually like a, a world building element instead of just a bad choice. Yeah, and especially of the um the dark, dingy like cantina sort of sets. It it the hard shadow, a lot of shadow and a lot of hard light and shadow on the actors really helps to sell the environment that they're in. Right. Uh, the to to an audience, thank to the audience like if it was too bright, if it looked like Cloud City in Empire in the special edition Empire Strikes Back or, or uh, Camino, and we're supposed to believe that it's this is a hive of scum and villainy, it wouldn't sell. But they made it so that it was dark and shadowy, 
um, just like the patrons of that bar would be. Right. So I, I like that. I, I like lighting in movies. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... it's or, uh, or the lack of. One of, the, one of the things that I don't think people... The common moviegoer... Oh, God, that tells me... That makes me sound yeah. like super elitist scum. Stop, stop gatekeeping, um, Yeah, I know. I'm just... I, one of the things that people don't tend to notice because they're they're designed not to notice are things like lighting, things like editing, things like certain cinematography choices, mm-hmm. sound design too. These are these are art forms where if if you're noticing something, it usually means that something has gone wrong in the process. Mm-hmm. There's supposed to be invisible arts that add to your immersion. And I think that Star Wars has traditionally done a really good job of using those techniques to put you more into the world. Like, very rarely in a Star Wars film, during the watching of it, kind of go, oh, that was a weird sound effect, or ooh, that was a weird jump cut, something like that. It's one of those things where, and like you said with the lighting, too, if you notice it, it, you know, can throw you off, mm-hmm. but... Well, um, and I, I agree with you that, that Star Wars generally has a pretty good job of, of using that sort of thing as almost like a third storytelling device. Right. I've heard complaints in the past that the prequels were too bright because mm-hmm. they didn't feel like Star Wars. And I mean, in the context of the story of the prequels, as far as the galaxy knows, you know, the New Republic or the old, the old Republic or I guess just the Republic is a utopia of happiness and perfecticity. Right, um, and that's kind of what's displayed with all the brightness, and then that transitioned into the original trilogy, where everything's kind of dull and gray and the darkest space. Yep, very, very imperial, factory produced, mm-hmm. mach- the, the the machines of war churning type of thing. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it's not something that I think a lot of people pay attention to, mostly because they're not designed for you to pay attention to them. They're designed to just be in the background and help your enjoyment of the film. So once you start to to recognize and notice these things, it can it can it can add to your experience. One mm. of these days we should go into, you know, do like a whole episode on sort of technical background things about Star Wars. I like costumes. Might... Yeah, you <laughs> oh boy, do you love costumes? Oh, so I, I probably should save this for while we're not on the show, but just for fun, I'm going to add it here anyway. Sure. And then I'll cut it out later, or not. I don't know, there's a lot of things that I say I'm going to cut out, but I never do. Yeah, and there's um, a lot of things... Uh, you tell me to cut out and demand that I don't, because you've demanded it. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, I, I was thinking, we we actually have a lost episode of the show that is in video format, and we recorded a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of video while we were going up to the was it the solo premiere or a steel wars recording do you remember i I think it was a steel wars recording because i don't remember being dressed up these were recorded on a drive from san diego to la and i was thinking about how much fun it would be to do that thing again but every time we cut put on a different helmet (laughs) because i was in my room and i realized i have i have a tie fighter helmet that is now um in help me out here battlefront single player Inferno Squad. Thank you. Uh, an Inferno Squad helmet. I have a Stormtrooper helmet. I have the Veers helmet. I have a Death Star gunner or Death Guard trooper, whatever the, the they decide to call them now. Death Star trooper, I believe, um, is his title. I have two Imperial officer hats. I have a Scarif Rebel trooper helmet. And then I know, Ian, you have an Imperial officer hat. You I have, have Imperial the officer Shock hat. Trooper helmet. I have the, the the Imperial Shock Trooper helmet. You have, a, you have like, three Vader masks. <laughs> I, have, I have a Vader helmet. I have a Clone Trooper helmet, uh, Mark One Clone Trooper. Oh, the, yeah, 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 the Hasbro voice-changing one. Yeah, which I took most of the internal things out because I'm supposed to mod that thing to be more... Accurate. Accurate, <laughs> and I just haven't gotten around to doing that. So, But, yeah. Anyway, I just thought that would be fun. Yeah. Speaking of costumes and behind-the-scenes random crap. There you anyway, go. Anyway, uh, what, what, what else? What else, Ian? What else was on that, that solo thing? that? What else? What else? Well, we had a great little thing about uh, Yunus Utamo and uh, his becoming Chewbacca from, uh, for, for the movie. And, uh, you know, it kind of shows him in his Chewbacca prime, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, because he's done, this would be his second full-length feature as Chewbacca. Oh, I thought you meant Chewbacca at his prime, because he's... It'll only be, like, also a, that. 180 or something like that in Solo. Uh, he's a... They say it in Solo. He's he's uh, 110 years old. 
That means the year after Solo, it's 111th birthday. It's filthy hobbits. I, I don't. I I can't segue out of that, John. I don't. <laughs> you broke my brain. <laughs> so we'll just put the one ring on that thought and make it go away. Oh, what's? We'll make it disappear. That's really what it was. Uh... <laughs> we we can go back to Dune references. Nope. <laughs> I think I mentioned this on a previous episode that Alden got all this flack for being cast as Han Solo because right. he wasn't Harrison Ford. He wasn't Anthony Gruber, I think, was the the guy that everybody wanted. It was to play. he the one he's who the, did the he's the impressionist. Right. Everybody loved Lando, uh, Donald Glover being cast as Lando, so good on him. The thing that's always been like really weird to me is that Eunice has not caught any flack that I can tell for being recast yeah. as Chewbacca. And I, and I think it's because nobody, the general movie going audience doesn't know who Peter, Peter Mayhew is. And so they, they see the big guy in a fur coat, like, a, you know, in a fur coat, basically. And I don't think that they associate Chewbacca with a particular actor. And... That kind of goes back to, to Ahmed Best getting all that flack for being Jar Jar and me being completely oblivious to that because I, I didn't like the character, but I never thought that reflected poorly on the actor. And I never thought that disparaging comments I made about Jar Jar would be affecting the guy that played them. Because right. there was just a disconnect of this is a non-human character, so there's probably, you know, there's there's no person to hurt well and uh, so here here's the thing about that first of all if you if you uh, listeners if you are interested in hearing more about the struggles that uh ahmed best has gone through because of the whole jar jar backlash he's got a youtube series on right now called field notes where he really talks about and i think i might have mentioned it in a different episode yeah, but, yeah. um i i really recommend checking that out uh especially if you're kind of interested in what the what what kind of effects that the population can have on on an actor? I think it's a really good thing to keep in mind. So that's out. But in terms of uh, the difference between him and Eunice's situation, I should probably stop talking so that we can cut back in when the car horn's not going off, huh? Doesn't look like it's getting picked up. Yeah, all right. I'll just keep talking, and we can <laughs> we can edit if we have to. Um, <laughs> Sorry, John, I'm making more work if, for you. If it is there, there's no editing around that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd have to repeat everything All I right, just said again. All right, we're good, we're good. The difference between Ahmed Best's performance being targeted and attacked as opposed to Eunice Sutamo and even Peter Mayhew in general is because Jar Jar, even though he was an alien character, he still had a, a personality. He spoke. He spec. Uh, he spec. Yes. <laughs> He, he spoke, he he had interactions that weren't just growling noises. And I think that's one of the things that both serves as a protection for anybody in a full alien costume that doesn't speak basic. And also as something of an unfortunate barrier to them as well is that there's this sense that anybody can put on the furry Wookiee suit and be a Wookiee. Whereas character actors like Ahmed Best who are doing digital either doing digital characters or characters like Chewbacca where Peter Mayhew and Yuna Sutamo have to be in these giant suits it takes so much talent so much talent to express emotions through the movement of the characters mm, mm-hmm. It's really unfortunate that they maybe don't get recognized for the talent as much as they should, but it's also kind of a protection at the same time where people aren't really going to care who's under the suit. And Jar Jar unfortunately caught a lot of flack because he didn't have that that sort of under the suit protection because of the speaking part and the Mm. interacting with the characters sort of thing. Does that make sense? I'm going to say yes. I will say yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it makes sense. I have this really bad habit of thinking faster than I talk, so well, stuff comes out the, weird. The thing that I liked about this this Chewbacca featurette is that we got to see a lot of behind the scenes of Eunice just, just doing his thing. Right. And him doing his thing is how I've always felt like Chewbacca is when he's not, like, on a mission. Right. Like, I feel like he's a very playful character until the job needs to get done. Sure, that makes or sense. Or unless he sees a random piece of raw meat sitting on a stick. <laughs> 
other than that. <laughs> it's, it's a dead animal, Chewie. <laughs> no, it really was a trap all along. I mean, it was both. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to see him like being playful with the other cast and crew, and and we really... I, I kind of like that's how I want my Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> they, I don't want him to be sad. I want him to be a hap, happy, happy doggo. And there was another uh, Wilco, Wilco, a happy Wilco. <laughs> I'm just thinking about happy Wilcos now. Uh, <laughs> there were there was another thing in that in that featurette that like didn't really cross my mind until I started watching it, which is in the movie we see you know Chewbacca covered in mud, right? That Wookiee suit has got away a significant amount already. And then you're going to add layers of mud on top of that. Like, Eunice was carrying around, like, 300 pounds of Wookiee and mud to do those scenes. And he was still able to emote and flail around as much as he, he did in that. That's freaking impressive. It is. I will agree with you on this one also as well. <laughs> Sorry, I you started talking and then I realized there's a special feature that they didn't have that they I think they really needed. Oh? What's that? Why is Maul there? And they could have had like oh, a a five yeah. minute like recap of oh Maul came back in the Clone Wars. He started a criminal empire. He became Uncle Pappy's uh, rival. I'm a rival. Uh, <laughs> and then his crime syndicate disappeared. And then the show ended. And then so I think that would have been a good thing just to kind of yeah because i think there's a lot of people out there that i know there's a lot of people that never watched the clone wars never watched rebels have no idea that darth maul exists is alive in this timeline and i think a lot of people would just be like that guy got cut in half in the last movie i watched why is he here yeah that's that's a really good point because even to this day there there are people in the star wars fandom who haven't even watched clone wars yet in a facebook group i'm a part of there was a guy who was like I've just watched Star Wars. I have questions. And one of those questions was, why am all? Why am all here now? Why am all here? Yeah. Hashtag it. <laughs> People kind of had to be like, oh, well, he came back in Clone Wars. And yeah, it's that's a really good point. That and it, it, it would help. A, cu- a couple weeks ago, we were hanging out with friend of show Tim. And Tim was saying, he was asking us about the comics or in the shows and if there was any kind of i guess mandatory connectivity if he doesn't read this particular comic is he not going to understand something in episode nine right remember that yeah and i feel like this is one of those things that they could have if you didn't see the clone wars it wouldn't make any sense why he's there because we saw him get cut in half right and the general movie going public is not going to understand that hatred kept him alive and gave him spider legs um (laughs) So, oh, when you say it like that, it sounds so dumb. It, well, it's super it's, dumb. It's, it's really also, dumb, it's but it's also Star Wars. And yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah, and just the way it was presented in the show was awesome. But, Every but... animal on Lothal is loath something. That's super <laughs> dumb, and I don't care because loath cats are adorable. Right, loath wolves are terrifying. Yep. I don't know if the loath owls were loath owls or they were some other species. Loath bats. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> loath spiders. Uh, no. No loath, loath spiders. Loath lasats. No, that's, that's a different thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that could have been a cool feature they could have added. Yeah, that's absolutely um, just to try to ex- explain explain it since it wasn't like in credit scene. It was a the last thing we see scene. Right. Though thinking about it, the way that the the last few scenes played out, they could have been after credit or in yeah, credit scenes, if... especially. Han showing up to play for the Falcon again. Yeah, they could have... I, I hate to use this as an example, but they could have marveled it where they had the post-credit... The first post-credit sequence be Han getting the Falcon from Lando, and then the second post-credit sequence be the Darth Maul scene. Because yeah. that didn't really need to happen where it happened. Like, Kira could have already taken off and flown away and then contacted Maul. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that it would really help to serve, you know, it would have been a great marketing tool, which is, I think, why it was in there to begin with. I think that scene was in there to be like, oh, Maul's back. If you want to know more, check out. Please the- buy movie tickets. Yeah, check out this stuff. But, you know, check out Rebel or check out Clone Wars and Rebels and the comics. The well, way they, it was. Well, they, they didn't. They didn't back that up. If right. That's the way they did it. Right. They and didn't. this would have been the prime place to do that. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. Not all of us are going to watch the Star Wars show. 
I mean, I am. It's the Star Wars Because apparently show. Anthony Carboni is friends with my favorite band, the Aquabats. Super so, Show. No, just the Aquabats. I can't hear Aquabats without saying Super Show. Okay, that, that's fair. So, that's also fine. Um, what are we talking about? Star Wars show, Darth Maul. This is a really thing. rambly episode. We have it's... way more rambly episodes than this, man. Trust me. I edit them. <laughs> I um, know, but still, like, you know, I don't even have notes. This is all... This is all top of my head stuff. No, this is super prepared, guys. Whatever you need to lie, we are we are professional. Nope. We are very professional. <laughs> yes, we're very percussional. Nobody is more psychotional than us. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be I'm I'm a driver. I'm a <laughs> I, flyer. Okay, I I can't stand that line because he says it with a weird inflection and now anytime I hear any word that ends with an E R, all I can hear is I'm a I'm I'm a listener. Well, here's the thing I'm about a, that. I'm like flyer. The the actual scene in the movie, the cadence isn't like that at all. It's one after another, and there's a slight difference. But when they released the trailer, I think they cut something the, they else. They added another line into it. Well, I think they cut uh, a scene in between where he says driver and flyer. An so, Adam driver. An Adam driver. <laughs> Now there there were two uh. other there were two other uh, things I want to I want to talk about before we wrap up the episode here, and uh, one of them we mentioned earlier it was the Kasdan on Kasdan interview on disc where it kind of went over John Kasdan and Lawrence Kasdan's experience writing the movie together. I don't remember much of it. <laughs> well, uh, well, first off, remember how I, earlier I was saying how professional we are. Right. Uh, we have the Blu-ray sitting. On the chair next to you, yeah. and we probably could have put it in to rewatch these, but uh, yeah. we're professional. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember much of it. I think the whole time that they were talking, all I was thinking about was a a list of fifty or so odd things that Johnny Kaz, as I like to call him, threw up on Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> that was just like kind of like behind the scenes notes on different aspects of the movie, uh, which probably we could have gone over on this episode, but uh, we're not. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't really remember much about Johnny Kaz and Kit, uh, Larry K. Johnny Kaz and Larry K. Their their last names are both. <sighs> Never mind. I think I covered most of what I would wanted to talk about on that earlier. I think that that Lawrence Kasdan was the Star Wars traditionalist that mm-hmm. we're kind of used to to seeing, where they're loyal to the old films, and that's kind of it. And then we had John Kasdan, who, in the special himself, admits that he is a tracker. What? A trekkie? No, he's 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 a he's one of us. He's he's one of the deep dive star wars nerds who knows about the extended universe knows about the extended canon read books has read comics has kind of gained that knowledge i'm outside. a reader so it was it, it's it's kind of interesting to see that solo is really those two sort of disciplines of star wars coming together to bring us this one movie which I think it did very well. It felt yeah. new enough to be new and exciting, but it felt seeped enough in the old Star Wars feel that it still felt very yeah. Star Wars. Solo to me will always be fan service the movie, but fan service not in a bad way. Right. I can see how a general movie going public wouldn't really get it, but there there are so many things that are put into this movie for fans of the franchise as a whole, from pre-Disney buyout, EU references and uh, references to Terrace Kasi, John. Yeah, they well, dropped Terrace Kasi. Do, do you know there's only one other person in Star Wars canon that knows Terrace Kasi? I got like oh, okay. I take that back. There are three people in Star Wars canon at the moment in the movies that know Terrace Kasi, and all of them were in the same movie. Kira, Dryden, who Dryden, taught her, who taught her, and Maul, and Maul. Yeah, Maul, Maul uses Terrace Kasi. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so. Maybe that's where it'll die. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like you were saying. So, there, yeah, so the, and then there's even references to the newer films and the new stuff that Disney is doing. I mean, they they drop uh, Black Spire, which is the name of the, the, Rim the yeah the outpost at Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars Disneyland theme zone. It's probably gonna have part of Arizona in it too. Theme zone. No, uh, it's in it's in Disney proper. I thought. I don't yeah, think well, it's they'll just California put another Radiator Springs in there. I know not, it. 
Those are two different parks. Yeah, well, Arizona and California are different, and they're in the same park, so... No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that Star Wars Land is in Disneyland proper, not right. in California Adventure. They'll, they'll, they'll just combine it, and it'll just be Arizona East. Well, they're going to run out of space eventually, I might as well. Like they own, like, all the property. They'll just... Yeah, but uh, have you you've you've been there? You've seen it. They're out of land. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's other buildings that can be torn down. I mean, California Adventure was a parking lot, that's or fair. was a, a. That's why that parking structure exists. They're just gonna they're just gonna buy out. The, I'm like, really upset about hotels. Arizona being in California Adventure. Yeah, you've will, got a problem, man. Like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> um, okay, it's called California Adventure. They added Radiator Springs, Arizona, to it. That upsets me. They took out the Hollywood Hotel. Would it? Would it? Would it make and, you feel better if they called it the Disney's Southwestern Adventure? I just just take out take out the entry gates and just call it Disneyland. We'll be fine. <laughs> we can't do the multi park thing that they do in in Florida because we don't have the land. <sighs> <laughs> I have I have issues. Oh boy! Oh, Paradise Pier's gone. It's another part of California they just took away and they reappropriated. It's uh, Pixar Pier now. Yeah, it's dumb. I told you it's Pixar Land. Ugh, ugh. Ugh. All right. Well, one last final thing that we can cover uh, for the solo special editions extravaganza. Don't call it the special edition extravaganza. You're 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 right. The cast roundtable with Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Ron Howard. So, what did you think about that? Somebody wasn't invited. And we made a joke about it. Do you remember? Because it was... it was. Uh, Doesn't mean they weren't invited. Well, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was there. Yep. Donald Glover was yep. there. Woody Harrelson. Yep. Alden, of course. Yep. Kira, yep. Uh, Breaker of Chains and Mother of Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, was Eunice there? Eunice was there. Okay, Eunice was there. Val was there. Val was there. Jon Favreau wasn't there. Jon Favreau was busy. Yeah. Making the Mandalorian. Yeah. Maybe... Maybe no one... Maybe I just thought that someone else should be involved. All the major characters yeah. were there. And oh, and Dryden was there? Yep. It's, uh, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, yeah. And I know this. The um, thing about Paul Bettany is that Paul Bettany is Paul Bettany in all of his movies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just Paul Bettany. Seriously, like he's one of those actors who... like, Got away with playing himself? Well, I, I, not necessarily that, but it's just like I see Paul Bettany and I hear Paul Bettany and all I think is Paul Bettany, you know? The Vision is Paul Bettany. Dryden is more Paul Bettany. Like, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. Like, no. actors have been getting away with that for years, and it's they're called character actors. That's why they're cast the way they are. I'm, like, um, I'm an actor. I'm an actor. <laughs> I'm a stunter. So, yeah, roundtable discussion. Anything pop out at you? Not really. I like the whole thing. Yeah, uh, the, the, it, it was kind of cool. I don't know. I don't really watch a lot of Blu-ray like DVDs anymore, so I don't really know what's on special features anymore. So I don't really think that at least I haven't seen any roundtables with the director before, uh, okay. with the with the, with like a supporting cast because it's usually like a Chris Pine commentary and someone else or something like that that you get. You don't usually get a, a roundtable discussion. Sure. To discuss the process of it. What I did really like about it is that they did bring up Lord and Miller. And they didn't try to, like, play it off as anything. Like, it didn't feel like they were trying to deceive us in any way. And they were all, like, very positive on them. Right. Ron Howard coming in and it also being positive. They didn't go, like, well, it was a mess. And then Ron Howard came in and saved it. They were all very professional. And I I appreciated that. The thing that I liked about it, too, was that they all seemed to be very into the project and Mm -hmm. the way they were talking to each other it was with a passion for star wars it didn't feel like uh, an interview per se where a lot of times you get these these interview questions that we see making the circuits to promote a movie right where it's very stiff the actors have been asked the same questions by nineteen thousand different outlets over and over again you can see like the life draining from their faces as they try to answer these things uh they got to bring in an acting coach (laughs) but in this setting with ron howard and all the the actors you could tell that they were comfortable with one another they could just kind of crack jokes be themselves say their honest opinions about the project and talk about what they enjoyed about it and what what made them laugh and 
what was a challenge and there was a there was a rawness to it like a real honesty to it that i i very much enjoyed because we don't tend to get that with the over publicized promotion circuit material that we get outside of the special features or stuff attached to the project yes definitely recommend picking up the blu-ray if you haven't for some of these special features it's always fun to i know it's easy just to get the the digital i don't know if those come with the special features or not but and i'm gonna disagree with you i'm saying get the digital copy get a dvd copy get a blu-ray copy and then also get the steelbook copy just so uh they make more money and then you might get solo too (laughs) y'all didn't buy them tickets (laughs) <laughs> careful john you might start sounding like a shill <laughs> what no disney pays me i'm not i'm not hiding that fact uh you know what you know what's funny about that is that we're, we're so small that like <laughs> people wouldn't believe that disney pays us yeah, even if they yeah, did my sole goal for this podcast is to get just enough like make enough waves get enough followers that Lucasfilm invites us to see an early screening of a show. Not, That's not, all I want. <laughs> not not gonna lie. That's uh, that is that is a potential future perk that I have thought of as well. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we we really do enjoy doing the podcast. And Give just, us stuff, Lucasfilm. No, don't don't do that. <laughs> uh, um, we do enjoy making the podcast and and talking with you guys every week. And when we started it, we were like, hey, we'll we'll do this because it's fun. Not necessarily for any other reason. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll have more for you coming up in the next couple weeks. John, I don't really think there's anything else we uh, are going to go over today. I think that's about it. I I will leave you with this. I saw on Twitter, and this will probably have been talked about a billion times by the time this episode comes out, which I believe is this upcoming Monday. (laughs) Yeah, this coming uh, Monday. So a few days. Recently, John Favreau released a story synopsis for what he's working on called The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Which is going to take place after Return of the Jedi, but before the New Order is fully established. Right. Sounds cool. Follows Mando. Neat. The thing is that I saw on Twitter is that it says after... I'm going to paraphrase because I'm, uh, I'm professional and I'm not going to bring it up. Uh, after the stories of Boba and Jango Fett, blah, 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 the Mandalorian. So is Jon Favreau confirming that Jango Fett is in fact a Mandalorian? Because Attack of the Clone says differently. And with that, that's been Ian. I'm going to do the thing where I don't say anything. John broke my brain. Oh, Ian's got to do, like, the first yeah. wrap-up with all the credits. Okay. Ha! Dang it. Trying to take my gerbs. Um, I don't want your gerbs. I want your... <laughs> and I don't want this job either. I just want to edit. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for I'm... joining us for another episode of Hoth Topics, a podcast about Star Wars. You can find us online at hothtopicspodcast.com if you want to check out any of our previous episodes and a number of different articles and op-eds that we write that put up on the site if you want to get a hold of us in any other way you can email us with hothpod at gmail.com if you want to tweet at us we are indeed on the twitters you can tweet at us at hothpod and if you want to get in touch with me personally i am at hothpod ian you don't have to you don't have to no it's not a requirement <laughs> tim tim <laughs> You leave poor Tim alone. <laughs> he's he's one of the few people that actually interacts with us. That's why he gets named by name on the podcast. Friend of podcast Tim. Well, I already said all of the things, so... Uh, You've been Ian? I, I have been Ian. And I've already done this part, this bit, and then we remember that we had to do the... Uh, the promotional stuff. Whatever. That's John... And when this comes out, uh, Star Wars Resistance will be out. So enjoy new Star Wars content, guys. We'll maybe talk about it later. See you next time. Breakfast burrito. All right. Tonight, a pirate attack on an Imperial Supply Railway left several servicemen dead. I'll try that again. Yeah. Because they're not left den. Are they? We don't know. <clears throat> I think they're left in a den. <laughs> we put them in a den. Like a wolf pack? Yeah. Like a, like a wolf's den. With this pack of clones. Roommate Mike is here. Hey, Roommate Mike. It's Roommate Mike. It's Roommate well, Mike. Walking in and making me have to write a time code down. Oh yeah. That's your job, nerd. <laughs>
At 30 <laughs> minutes, Mike calls me a nerd. <laughs> calls me a nerd. There's our stinger. No. Cut this. No. <laughs> no credit for Mike. Wow. Dot com. <laughs> Woo! How's it going, guys? Yeah, it's going. That's Look at me, boy. <laughs> so <laughs> low. Look at um, your father, boy. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that joke. Mm, uh, especially because it won't be there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> cut, 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 cut. Um, <laughs> Call me Krabby because I cut. <laughs> Could have picked a better Pokemans. Call me Squirtle. Just call me Squirtle. No. Squirtle. <laughs> Am I not Squirtly enough for the Squirtle Club? I'm a Squirtle. I'm a Squirtle. <laughs> I'm a Gengar. I'm a Charmander. We're both stupid. <laughs> well, um. I'm an idiot. I'm a Nerf Herder. I'm a Nerf Herder. Okay, this episode's gonna have a bunch of bumpers, after credit bumpers, so I'm gonna tell you the story just so it's on this thing. Okay. So, as I think I mentioned in my, the very first episode, I did, I used to do a ska and punk uh, music podcast called the Skank Out Podcast. And Amazing name. There was a, a local production, like ska and reggae and punk show producer in San Diego, or promoter in San Diego, who's went under the banner of Skank Out Productions. We stole their name, recorded like five episodes, and told him about it. Then he's like, that's cool. Just promote my shows. And we had our first regular listener was a was a guy named Javier, uh, who we called Scavier because us ska kids like to put the word ska in front of everything and anything to make a dumb pun. I can't think of another music genre that does this. It's pretty scottastic. We're weird. Thank you, Ian. You're welcome. Um, anyway, so we always refer to him as our number one fan Javier or Scavier. And then one day we got a letter from somebody, I don't remember who it was, but that person became our number one fan. And Javier was always referred to as our former number one fan. He legitimately got upset about this and would like <laughs> email us and you'd call me and you'd find out what shows we were going to be at and demand uh, that he be reinstated as the number one fan of the show. So Tim, <laughs> that's what you got to look forward to. Yep. Kai is coming up on you. You might be number one, so you may need to battle. If you would like to contend for the crown of number one fan, feel free to drop us a line. <laughs> anyway, continue with your thing because it's going to get bumpered out. There's a flaw in my plan. I don't have a keyboard. Ah!